You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Pastor Nelly Atiga shares with us some insight on the story of the Good Samaritan, challenging us to be good neighbors to all in the city God calls us to. Let's go to the Word of God today, and this is the title of my message. Today I want to talk to you about neighbors. So if you have your Bible, go with me to Luke chapter 10, and let's read this together. Okay, you can read it off the screen. This is the English Standard Version on the screen here. Let's all read. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And Jesus replied, I then was blown down Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed from him, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let us pray. God, we thank you that your word is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, able to be cut and pierced between bone and marrow. I pray, God, that if there are areas of our lives that you begin to highlight today, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate scripture and illuminate in our lives what what you desire to speak to us. Lord, I want to move completely out of the way that we hear directly from your throne room today. Lord, bring about um, the word of God, Lord. Use my mouth as a mouthpiece for your glory, and I pray, Lord, that you'd use my mind to think your thoughts, and that would be so in sync with what you, you desire to do here today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Like I said, everybody, the title of my message today is The Other Side. Everybody say The Other Side. How many of you know the, the joke, why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the other side, right? Now, I've never gotten that joke, but apparently it's a joke. To the other side. Now, the other side, the reason why this is called the other side is that um, that plays an important role in what happened in this parable. Uh, and we'll get to that in a, in a moment. Now, I was in Melbourne last year. We were on vacation. Mel- we like to go to Melbourne sometimes to take a complete break away from the cold because it, it, it's cold here, but in Melbourne, oh my gosh, uh, I may be brown on the outside, but I, you know, <laughs> when I get down there, the, the whitening starts to come out. Uh, it's so cold down there in Melbourne. Oh my goodness. How, how many of you have been to Melbourne in the winter? Oh, and, and, and so I was invited, not with Every Nation, but another movement of churches to, to speak at a youth camp. And uh, the youth camp was not in Melbourne, it was out in the mountains. 
So, and, and uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, there's a reason why Polynesians aren't in the Winter Olympics. It's because there's no cookie in that cream. We, we, don't go, we don't go hang out in the snow. So here I am, Samoan. My kids are Islander, but they're also Pinoy. So they've they got, they got a bit of both flavor. I mean, my, my little one was walking out bare feet in the snows, like, hey, Dad, how's it going? I'm like, you're crazy. Get back in there. You're going to get hypothermia or something. So anyway, we're in Melbourne. We're, I'm speaking at this camp, and then I go and speak at this church. And after I speak, you know, um, praise God, you know, people met Jesus for the first time and, and began a relationship with Jesus. And, and so I'm talking to the pastor, and then my, my wife and the pastor's wife started talking. How many of you know that can be dangerous sometimes because then they make, they make plans that you have no idea? And, and remember, this is from, from that point on, it was a vacation. So I had just finished speaking at this camp, and in the middle of Antarctica, and then, and then I preach at this, this service, so I'm ready to, like, take a holiday now, I'm ready to chill, like, chill in the chilly chill, you know, and, and my wife is making plans for the next day with this pastor's wife about taking our kids to go and feed the homeless in, in Melbourne, and I'm sitting, you know, like, as a pastor, you know, I should be like, yeah, that's honorable, praise the Lord, yes, we, we should go and feed the homeless, and and so she's asking the other pastor's wives, you know, do you know of any volunteer organizations that are doing um, feeding programs or any of that out in, because we noticed when we walked down the CBD of Melbourne, there's a lot of homeless out in the street. And so we want to connect with them. I want my kids to, to engage in that sort of activity. And so, I mean, bless my wife. She's, she, you know, she is the Holy Spirit advocate in my house. I'm, after I finish preaching, I'm purely thinking about Sunday at Canberra. I'm really thinking about going to eat after this. But because, you know, you, you've poured out. And so uh, they, they start talking about, oh, yeah, there's a place that, the, you know, interestingly enough, it was the Salvation Army as well in Melbourne. They have this, this shelter where a lot of them uh, stay and they come for their meals. And she knows, uh, the, the pastor's wife knows the lady that, that runs it. She can make contact. And so in my heart, I'm like, no. But, you know, but I have to be a pastor and a man of God, you know. So I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good plan. Whatever, man. I was looking to put on the doona and just stay in my room and, like, watch NBA or something, you know. So anyway, the next day we go out into the CBD and we go to the Salvation Army. And um, this, is, this is a picture of that moment. Like, we, we actually, the building on the left there is the Salvation Army shelter in the, in the CBD. And we went there, and uh, they uh, they said, "Oh no, uh, today is Monday because it was the day after yeah the day after Sunday. We know Monday comes after Sunday, but like, <laughs> oh, we we don't do it on Mondays. We we open on Tuesday, so there's nothing going on. And so I'm looking at my wife, going, "Oh, that's so sad. Should we go back to the room?" And, <laughs> and she's like, and then she, again, led by the Spirit, looks out the window. And sees that the alleyway is full of homeless people. She says, no, we, Jesus brought us here. And you know the moment they bring Jesus into it. You can't argue, man. You know, we, We've got to come and, and, and minister to these homeless. And so she saw some of them in the alleyway. And uh, she's trying to teach my kids how to... My, my wife is also one who loves to pray. And to. for those of you who don't know what prophecy is, it's, it's hearing God's voice and, and, and speaking His intention and praying His intention over them. So um, this is a photo of her praying for this one lady. Behind her is my other daughter, uh, Nazareth. And so she's discipling her. And this is, you know, and just praying for this lady and prophesying over her. And, um, 
But I got distracted because um, my youngest daughter uh, started playing with this other guy who, who was living out in the street, and he had a ram. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's cool, a ram in the middle of Melbourne. And my wife looked at me, hey, you're supposed to be praying for him, not playing with his ram. Um, but uh, that, that, was, that was the time we, we went there, and I, I really learned, I, I always learn that from my wife, actually. I really want to honor her, that she's one that goes to the other side. There's always a temptation in, in Australian society to live uh, for yourself, that your whole purpose and meaning of your life is for yourself. And this is, what, this is what Jesus is trying to highlight here when he talks about the greatest commandments, right? He's asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? But he, he's being tested. The lawyer is trying to test him. And I love how Jesus answers that question by asking another question. Well, you know, what, you know what's written in the law. How do you read it? And he says this, okay? I want you to catch this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments are actually flow, flow from one into the other. They're actually, it's, it's impossible to love God without loving your neighbor. There's a lot of Christians that say, oh, I love God. I love him with all my heart. It's just the church people I can't stand. There's this one story about this man who's in bed with his wife, and he's just waking up. He's like, you know what, honey? It's cold here in Canberra. I don't feel like going to church. This is not this church. It's another church. I don't feel like going to church today. It's so cold. You know, and I just don't feel like being a hypocrite today. I'm just going to stay in bed. She says, you've got to go because you're the pastor. <laughs> it's not Pastor Joe. Like I said, uh, Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So Jesus has to illustrate this for him, right? You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And then he, um, he, uh, he actually asked the question, who is my neighbor? And this is Jesus' response here. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So this isn't, this isn't just a man of God. This is a professional man of God. This is a man of God with a position. But he doesn't see the condition of the broken that are on the street, and he passes by on the other side. So totally hypocritical, right? And then... Likewise, there was a Levite who, when he came and passed and saw him, passed by on the other side. The Levite takes it to another level. Not only is he a man of God, not only is he a professional man of God, but he was born into the ministry. Like he comes from generations of, of ministry people, but he passes by on the other side. Jesus is trying to illustrate something here. And then he says, but the Samaritan... And again, I want to give you some context here with the Samaritans. The people from Samaria, if any of you have ever been to Israel, you'll, you'll know this about their history. It's not that way now, but like Samaria was an, uh, uh, an area to the north of Judah, and you would have to travel through it to get to the northern parts of Israel. Um, but the people that were from Samaria were considered um, half-caste people, if that makes sense. They, they were not fully Jews, so they were not fully embraced as the Jews. So real talk, there was a lot of, honestly, like just straight up racism between the Samaritans 
and the Jews. So this is a teacher of the law that's talking to Jesus, right? So can you imagine the cringe factor when he is hearing that the guy who is coming to the rescue is somebody that he has a, a you know, not, not an affinity towards. There's, there's a certain prejudice in his heart. He's like, mm, why you got to bring that guy into the story for Jesus? Why you got to do that for, mate? And Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. There's a difference between compassion and pity. Pity just goes, oh, and turns the channel, right? Oh, that's so sad. What's happening over there in the Middle East? Click. Oh, that's so sad. What's happening? And, and you might hear about, oh, that's so sad. What's happening in the streets of Sydney? Click. Oh, that's so sad. What's happening right here in Canberra? Click. That's pity. Compassion moves you to action. So when, when Jesus is highlighting in the story that Samaritan sees him, he has compassion. And what, what happens when he has compassion? It says he, he went to him. I mean, that'll preach by itself. He, he, he went to him. That is inconvenient. Everybody look up at me really quickly. Christianity is inconvenient. There's nothing convenient about the cross of Jesus Christ. It wasn't like Jesus was in Gethsemane sweating blood and tears. He's going, you know, you know what? I kind of had some stuff scheduled for tomorrow. So I don't think I can do the whole cross thing. Maybe we can do Good, good Tuesday because I got some stuff on this weekend. Not Good Friday. What does it have to be like? You know, can, we, can we move it to a day that's... Because, you know, movies are cheaper and KFC is cheaper on Tuesday. So can we move it to Tuesday? I know you all know about that. Just... Just trying to hide that. 10.95 for nine pieces. I know about it. <laughs> then he said, set him, no, no, check this out. He, he went to him. He bound up his wounds. How many of you know Christianity is not only inconvenient, you're going to have to get your hands dirty. Yep. He bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Now, oil and wine are very symbolic in Scripture. Oil is representative of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and wine is symbolic of joy. We just partook in communion. When we partook in communion, we, it symbolizes the price that was paid and the blood that was shed for G, by Jesus to purchase us and restore our joy. That's what wine symbolizes in Scripture. There's a lot of symbolism right here. And what our job is, is to get off our high horse, go to where they are with compassion of Christ, Bind up their wounds, pouring on oil, which is the Holy Spirit. Bringing the Holy Spirit, not your technique, not your ability to communicate the gospel. That is important, but unless you go with the Holy Spirit, it's pointless. The Holy Spirit and with wine, going with joy. How many of you know that sometimes Christians just bring about this, the, just looking at their face, you, can, you can't tell that they're full of joy. Why don't you follow Jesus? I don't want to follow him if you look like that when you follow him. Because Jesus, my Jesus, restores my joy. He restores my joy. And now watch this. And then he brings him to an inn to take care of him. Every nation, Canberra, you are the inn for Canberra. I, I hope you're tracking with me. I'm about to break this down a little bit so you'll get, get it. 
but you are the end. He brought them to an end and to take care of them. And then the next day, he took out two denarii. Uh, denarii is symbolic of a day's wages. So he took out two days' wages. How many of you know Jesus rose on the third day? So that's symbolic. And gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And when, whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now I'm going to break this scripture all the way down. So, so hopefully it'll gravitate towards you a little bit more. You see yourself, and we should see ourselves within four characters in this parable, and neither of them is the good Samaritan. We would either be the priest, the Levite, the man who was robbed, or the innkeeper. When Jesus was asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He answered that question by asking another question. There's another time in the Bible when that happens. It's in Mark 10, when the rich young ruler comes to him and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then the same answer was given. But in fact, Jesus says this, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So when we talk about this good Samaritan, we're not talking about us being good. How many of you know, without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we are still stuck in our unrighteousness. We're still stuck in our sin. The good Samaritan is symbolic of Jesus Christ. I want you to catch this, okay? Not, it's not that he's a half-caste, but he is fully God and fully man. We are the priests. We are the Levites. We are the broken, and we are the innkeepers. Every single one of us will fall into one of these four categories. If you're here today, and you're broken, God wants to encourage you. You may not be like physically beaten up and broken, but in the spirit, you may be trying to hold that smile up on your own effort. You may be trying to save face, thinking, man, I'm, I'm doing really well, Nelly. But deep inside, you know you're scarred. You know you're beaten. I'm here to tell you today, you're at the right place. You are in the inn. And God wants to help bring restoration. He uses the church, the body of Christ, to bring about restoration in your life. You're at the right place to get healed. But then there's the priest and the Levite. And unfortunately, Many of us as Christians, and I must testify to this, that I find my proclivity in being a priest or a Levite. I'm a positional Christian that is more concerned about the activity of the church than how the church gets involved with the city and how we actually reach and help to bring healing to my city. My city is Brisbane. Your city is Canberra. You know, like I'm only going to be here for two years. I only have a contract and then I have to go wherever I need to go. So this is not really my city. My city is fill in the blank. No, this is your city. God has moved you to the city. And however long you are here, God has called you to be faithful in this city as if it's your own city. Own it. Because if you are faithful in small things, you'll be entrusted with much. You need to trust God to bring you to the other side. But I don't know about it. You know, uh, th those people aren't like me. They're not ethnically like me. They're not culturally like me. They like sports that I can't even understand. Why you would wear such short shorts and play volleyball with the rugby ball and, you know, have referees that come on and do this, you know, like, well, I don't understand that. It's not for you to understand. Come to the other side. God has called you to the other side. Like he's trying to bring you to the other side. He wants you to come over to the other side. You are here. Many of you are here literally from the other side of the world. Only to stick with our own people. Can we be real? I know all about it. Like this is going to be the answer to being the multi-ethnic church that God has called us to be. And the answer to 
the city. A lot, there's a lot of prevalent racism in this country. And the answer is the body of Christ. It's the church. So forget all the lies about, oh, I don't, I don't know what they'll think about me or I have certain thinking towards them. You won't understand it until you get to the other side. So go to the other side. Be committed to go to the other side. It's going to be hard. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to take us getting our hands dirty, but it's worth it if the kingdom of God is supposed to be here in Canberra. God wants to birth that in this church. You may only see this amount of people, but if this amount of people can be activated as disciples who are evangelistic, I'm here to tell you today that this church will be used to transform this nation to the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the good Samaritan, who came from heaven to earth, came down from his animal, poured out oil, poured out wine upon us, healed our wounds, took us down from our brokenness, put us on his animal, elevated us to be seated in heavenly places and brings us into an inn to experience the healing that he has for us. And Jesus brings in the broken. Every nation camera, I hope you're ready for the broken coming in this church. Not everybody's gonna come in here polished. In fact, if they come in here polished, I get a bit skeptical. The church is for the broken to get healed. Not for the broken to stay broken. And not for people to wear better robes to hide their brokenness. But to, to, to be ready to disciple those who are imperfect. Because guess what? So are you. And until we learn to, to deal with that, we, we stay in this, this place of priest and Levite, same side Christianity, never going to the other side. I love you, by the way. So which of these three? Look, check this out. This, this is irritating. Which of these three do you think would prove to be a neighbor who fell among the robbers? He couldn't even say Samaritan. It's like, oh, that guy, the, the one who showed him mercy. That, that, he couldn't even say, like, the word Samaritan couldn't even come out of his mouth. Because he was so angry with the fact that somebody else was more righteous than him. God's heart beats the loudest amongst the broken. And until we are ready to begin to understand that God's heart is there, we'll never sense his heart. We can worship all we want to in our holy huddle, but unless we're activated, we're like that team, you know, like watching the Canberra Raiders. For those of you who are unaware, that is the rugby league team of this city. That's the other side. Come on. Canberra Raiders, right? Imagine they're at the game. They're about to play the Brisbane Broncos and lose to my team because that's, that's my team. But like... Uh, imagine they're in the huddle and they get in the huddle, they make the set play, but the whole time they're in the huddle. The game is already finished. And then they, you know, break and then they go home. Like the whole time they were in the huddle, they never actually broke the huddle and got into the game. God wants to break the huddle and for us, the whole point of this meeting on Sunday is for us to come together, worship God, love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and go and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's what God wants us to do. Church doesn't end in about 10 minutes when I finish this message and we respond. Church is you. Well, this is a setup for your Monday to Saturday or Monday to Sunday. I don't even know what day it is. But you know what I'm saying. Like this, this whole thing should inspire you to live out the way that God has called you to live. Will you love your neighbor? My brothers and sisters, if you are in Canberra, look, I've only been here for less than 40 hours. But I'm honored to say that I came here 
to come to the other side, to inspire you today, to be activated to go. That's the whole reason why I do what I do, why I get to do what I do. And if I can activate you, I believe with all my heart that alongside Pastor Joe and Bing and the rest of the team here, we will see this city one for Jesus. But it's going to take us getting off our animal, bringing vessels of the Holy Spirit and joy to the broken. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at encanberra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra.